0: John chapter 11. You have your Bibles up? Yes. Let's confess over the, the Bible today. I like to see Bibles. I like electronics, uh, but I like these Bibles. All right, let's declare it. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than necessary food. I love it, and I am never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And we're going to read a few verses this morning. Do you have your comfortable shoes on? Verse 21. I wonder what shoes the uh, Jews wore when they sat and read the word all day long from morning to afternoon. No, I I didn't want you to answer me. I was making a point. Regardless of what they did, they stood all day long To honor the word of God, amen? So if we stand for three or four minutes, we'll be all right. All right. So John 11, we're going to go 21 through 27, then we'll drop down, okay? Let's read together. Ready, read. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Drop down, please, to verse 38. Verse 38. And we'll read verse 38 through 40. You have it? Okay, let's read. Ready, go. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did not I say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? All right. Back in verse uh, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Then in verse 40, Jesus said to her, did not I say to you, That if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. All right. Do you believe this? So today I want to talk on the subject believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. You may take your seats today. Believe Jesus. All right. Now we've been looking at Isaiah 28 and uh, verse 16 for a little moment now. And Isaiah 28 16 again says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Y'all remember that? Yes, this should be pretty easy to remember, this one. We've been on it for a little while now, right? So, Jesus Christ, I prove to everybody. Uh, I believe I did, I hope I did, through the scripture, that he is uh, the foundation, well, he's the stone, he's the foundation, the tried stone, the precious cornerstone, and the sure foundation. I went through scriptures to show you that, right? Line by line. So there's no question about who this verse is talking about now, right? It's Jesus. So then it says, whoever believes will not act hastily. Now, he's not saying to you, whoever believes this won't act hastily. Well, we, we, could, we could say that that's a basic understanding of it. But he just told us who he's talking about. So we said whoever believes in him will not act hastily, right? And so, again, God said, this is what I'm doing. I'm laying this in Zion. So that's a for, that's a, for sure. that's a sure fact right there. <laughs> My kids. That's a sure fact, right, that Jesus Christ is all these things and God is doing this, right? The question is, are you a believer? You understand that? If we were to make this a mathematical equation, the only variable in the equation is the whoever. There's only one variable. Everything else up there is what we call a constant. Remember that? No, y'all don't remember that. Okay, everything else of this there mathematics, there's constants and variables and equations. Okay, so there's a constant. All everything is a constant. Sure, foundation, tried stone, precious cornerstone. Those are constants, and it's Jesus. We know that. We already we already filled in for X. Come on, algebra people. We already filled in for X. What we don't haven't filled in for is Y. And if you're gonna have a, a slope or a ray, you gotta have X and Y. If you're gonna know angles, you gotta have X and Y. And so the Y is, I'm talking about the letters X and Y. Y it here is the whoever, it's the variable in the equation yeah. for us. So implication is everybody's not gonna believe. So he says, whoever believes will not act hastily, or as we are saying, Whoever believes in him will not act hastily, right? Okay, so the question I asked here uh, a couple Sundays ago was, do you believe in Jesus? That's going to but do you believe in Jesus? All right, so in that series message, rather, we dealt with the basic foundation, John three sixteen. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that... See, this is a whoever, again, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So this is foundational faith. This is basic uh, believing that gets you in the door, gets you salvation. And everybody needs to be saved. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. That's that's how you open a door. You must be born again. Before we can talk about being rich and being divinely healed and divine protection, you must be born again. So I don't care how good looking you were when you were born. I don't care if you had good hair, kinky hair, straight hair, uh, curly hair, no hair, whatever. uh, However you were born, you had to be born again. Doesn't matter if you were white or black or Hispanic or or European or whatever you want to be, Indian, uh, you must be born again. Right, And I told you that we have to intercede for sinners because sinners, they are trapped. The thing about sinners, uh, heathens, the unsaved people, is they think they're free. They think we're trapped. They think they're free. Free to do what they want. They don't understand they're the slaves. Right? They're the ones uh, that are trapped. And we have to intercede for them. Uh, We read last week in John, I think it's John 14, 30, somewhere around there. About Jesus talking about how the evil genius of this world, he's coming, we are read and amplified, how he has nothing in me, right. right? And so there's an evil genius that has trapped people in the world into living a life that um, uh, they think is fun and they think is, you know, productive, but it's totally not fun. And the pleasures, is on, it's only for a season, the Bible says. Praise, this word. Praise God. Yes, so they're trapped. So we got to intercede for them. In fact, there's a scripture I came across this week in my own personal study uh, that fit this uh, great. Uh, I want to read it to you. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. I wasn't reading this for a message. This is just, you know, my personal reading and growth. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26. I want to show you this. And let's look at it in the New Living Translation, please. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26 in the New Living Translation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, you'll see something here about uh, sinners and their mindset and them having to learn uh, who they are. We got it? Okay. says a servant. Now, this, I, I, when I'm reading Timothy, I read it for me because I'm, I'm, I'm a Timothy, and I got to learn how to deal with people. Y'all preachers understand this. This is a preacher scripture right here. A servant of the Lord, preachers ministers must not quarrel. <laughs> I had to learn this a few years back, Sister Stafford. As a, as a young pastor, young minister, uh, I could be kind of... There's a little residue of that still there. I'd be just... just Get it. Y'all ain't listening. I want to argue with everybody and prove my point. So I, the Lord had to deal with me on this here. So a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult. Now Paul's telling Timothy this as a, as a man of God. In your church, Timothy, you're going to have some difficult people. <laughs> I know y'all don't think difficult people come to church, but there are difficult people in church. There are difficult people in your flight teams. <laughs> difficult people in standout youth. There's difficult people in Eagle's Nest. The Eagle's Landing. But you have to learn as a, as a, as a speaker, uh, this, this is just side note stuff here, how to, how to, how to be... Be nice. In fact, Chris, I, I, I had to write on there. Every every time I get up, I, I type on there, be patient, be gentle, use sweet lips. I literally have to put it on my paper to remind myself, be patient, be gentle. See, it's, it's right there. That's on every, every, every message I preach. Be patient, be gentle, use sweet lips. Because the Bible says sweet lips increase learning. And I want you to learn. So my lips weren't always sweet. I don't always want to talk sweet. I want to look at people and say, yo, meathead, wake up. Listen to what I'm talking to you, your broke cell." <laughs> so I just say, no, be patient, be gentle. I is patient. I is gentle. I have sweet lips. <laughs> so be patient with difficult people, all right? Verse 25, please, verse 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. He's talking about your congregation. So there are people, even in the congregation, who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. And they will learn the truth. So that's what we pray, Lord, change these people's hearts. Now I'm talking about you, you and me, how we have to intercede for sinners. Because you have people in your family who I brought them to church, and I invited them to church, like they don't, they don't get it. Oh, you got to intercede for them. They're not going to get it. And let me show you why. They, they oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. So a heart must be changed to learn the truth. Glory to God. Now, watch verse 26. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. So, there are people, like I said, they think they're free. They look at all you Christians like you trapped, you blind, something wrong with you. But the, they don't understand they're the ones trapped. They haven't even come to their senses. They're not in their right mind. And it says that they, uh, that if hopefully, they will escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So sinners... Heathens, unbelievers, people in the world, people, some of them sit right in church, are held captive by Satan to do whatever he wants. They're slaves and can't see it, so you will not have to pray for them. Why? That their heart be changed so that they'll get to a basic level of believing. Well, OK, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Right? Okay, so that's what we're trying to get everybody to. Okay? Now, go back to John 14, 1. Because last Sunday, as Pastor Kim alluded to, we preached the message, believe in Jesus. We didn't ask the question. We made the declaration. Yes, believe in Jesus. And we looked uh, beyond now that foundational belief to uh, the kind of believing that, that puts up a defense for you. In John 14, 1, Jesus Christ said this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. So in other words, he's saying that it's possible for people to believe in God and not believe in Jesus. Many people believe in God. The world is not mostly atheists. Don't, don't let anybody trick you into believing that. America is not mostly atheists. I don't care how loud or how uh, uh, out front the atheist may be. They may try to command all the attention, but the atheists are not the majority. Most people believe in God. Yet, a smaller uh, group of them believe in Jesus. You and I know that already. There are all kinds of faiths out there, religions out there. We know that. But Jesus goes on to invite us into a deeper place of belief. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he's saying this level of belief I'm bringing you, bringing you into takes you above the heart trouble stage where you are not in fear all the time. <laughs> you, you, you listen to a lot of your, even your Christian friends who believe in God and believe in Jesus, so they say. And they're full of fear. They're panicking about everything. Am I right about it? Yeah. You've met a few of them, haven't you? Why? Because they, they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in all that he provided. They don't believe in the power of the blood. Y'all didn't hear what I said. See, if I believe in, in him and the power of the blood, then I know the blood covers me and protects me from all this other stuff. I don't, I don't believe in, in him uh, that, that, that he uh, bore all my sickness and all my disease and carried all my punishment and all my pain. So I accept pain, punishment, sickness, and disease as a part of life. I don't believe that he was uh, rich and became poor so that I through his poverty might become rich. See, if you believe in Jesus, and I believe in all of him and what he did. Because they'll make poverty a, a badge. I'm poor, but I'm loving Jesus. something <laughs> wrong. Something wrong. Something wrong. So he said, believe in Jesus. Believe. You believe in God, believe also in me. So we're not supposed to be shrinking back in fear of panic ever again. Now remember our foundation scripture from a few weeks ago, Isaiah 28, 16, that said, whoever believes, and we said in Him right. will not act hastily. My translation of that is simply will not freak out. Right. 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 Tell your neighbor, stop freaking out. Not so I told you this last week that believing in Jesus, true believing in Jesus, will produce a defense against fear, panic attacks, and troubled minds. Okay, and I told you what happened last week. When you panic, you get careless with your words. And that's what the devil's after—to get you and me careless with our words. He knows better than most of us know. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So if you get careless with your words and start speaking uh, all kind of crazy things, he turns from an intruder to an invited guest. See, when he first comes with trouble in your life, he's an intruder. But if you let your words get out of whack and start speaking words that align, align themselves with his plan, then he goes from intruder to invited. Your words invite him in. Man, my feet are killing me. You just invited him in. We ain't never going to get out of this mess. You've invited him in. See, your words, you've got to be very guarded with your words. That's why we, we have two ears and one mouth. two eyes come on now two nostrils but one mouth one tongue that means we should be listening re- receiving engaging process and then speak out words of life and words of health and words of peace and words of of love and power you got it all right now now i want to i want to go a little further here because huh, we're, we're increasing our believing. Amen. 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 Now, Jesus says, and again, in John 14, 1, don't let your heart be trouble believing. God believe also in me. In other words, don't panic. In other words, Jesus is saying, I got you. That's, that's how I am. You know, I remember with the little, my kids when they were smaller. You know, if we were walking by somewhere and a dog jump out, whatever. I said, don't, don't panic. I got you. I got you, right? You don't have to fear when you're with me. So when we're with Jesus, if we believe in him, we don't have to fear. He's got us. Your Bible calls Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews the captain of our salvation. Now that's Hebrews 2.10. The Bible says Jesus Christ is, he became the captain of our salvation. Can you say that? The captain of our salvation. Matter of, make, make it personal. The captain of my salvation. So the captain of my salvation, uh, if you read that in context, of course, it's dealing with uh, you, people. Uh, he made a way for everybody to be saved. But if you look at the word salvation in that verse, it's the Greek word soteria. And the Greek word soteria goes beyond born again. If you, in fact, if you were to read the Greek word soteria, in, in a concordance, it doesn't even mention born again. It doesn't mention born again. But we know that you, must be, you have to be born again to be on the team. Right. If he's going to be the captain of a team, for you to be on the team, you must be born again. Right. Got it? So we know Soteria then has to include being born again, but that's just the foundation. That's just the entryway. That just gets you in the door. He's the captain of our salvation. That Greek word soteria means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of enemies. Now you got to catch this here. He's the captain of our salvation. Lord, have mercy. He's the captain of the team. He's the captain or the one in charge of our deliverance. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The captain of your salvation. Jesus. I know y'all are writing this down, but just, just hear what I'm hear what, what the Lord is saying right here. He's the captain of your salvation. He's the chief of your salvation. He's the one in charge responsible for your salvation. Not just for you being born again. He's responsible for your deliverance. That's why he said don't let your heart be troubled. In your trouble, don't let your heart be troubled. When you're trapped, don't let your heart be troubled. Because I'm the captain of your deliverance. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of the rescue team. (laughs) I'm the captain. I'm in charge of your deliverance. But beyond your deliverance, your preservation. Preservation means protection. In other words, I'm in charge of your detail. Security. We look at when the president uh, travels, he has a whole secret service team that's there. <laughs> uh, when they arrive at events, uh, it's, it's sometimes if they're very good, you don't even know who they are. You may be able to identify a couple of them, but there are others on the team, you don't even know who they are. But I dare you to toss a shoe. I dare you to use use two cross words. See how quickly you get ushered out of an event. Why? Because there's a team responsible for the president's preservation. And the Bible says Jesus Christ is the captain of your preservation. He's in charge of your security detail. So if that's the case, and it is. Then you don't fear coronavirus or you don't fear HIV and you don't fear anything going around. You don't fear car accidents and plane accidents and you don't you don't fear those things. You don't fear gang activity because you have a secret detail around you in charge of your preservation, your safety team, your salvation delivers from the molestation of enemies. When enemies are coming against you, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So, so you and I aren't supposed to be ever fretful about even when our enemies are coming against us. Now, don't be thinking about all the people you naming. People aren't the enemies. I don't care if they're doing enemy stuff. They're not the enemy. There's, there's a force working on the inside of them. The Bible says your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, right? So you have an adversary, it's the devil. He may work through your mama, but it's the devil. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just Work through your children or your cousin, whatever, but it's, it's the devil. And he's the one you got to fight against. He's the one that, that, that Jesus Christ has already won the victory over. So he's the captain of your salvation. So he stands guard over your life. You know, the Bible lets us know Jesus that God has millions of angels, right? And when you look at the Old Testament, you'll see a phrase, oftentimes, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. It wouldn't. There are times it'll say an angel or angels. But when you read Old Testament where it says the angel of the Lord, it's a it's an Old Testament reference to Jesus. It's Jesus, the captain showing up before he was birthed into the earth. Are you all listening to me? Uh, The Hebrew boys, Deacon Robert, were in the fire furnace. The captain shows up. better come over here. Preserve them in the fire to the point that when they came out, their hair was not sins, Their clothes weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke because the captain showed up. Oh man, I don't know if (laughs) y'all. I don't know if you know who's on your side. That you have the captain so you see Old Testament many times. Elder Cheryl, you'll, you'll see angel of the Lord. And so it, we know it's, it's Jesus showing up. Also, you can see uh, dozens and dozens of times in the Old Testament, you'll see this phrase, the Lord of hosts. Yeah. The Lord of hosts. Which we know it means the Lord or the God of angel armies. Now, if you were to do a word search in, in your, on your concordance, whatever, and, and search the Lord of, of hosts, you never see that phrase in the New Testament. Not one time. It's all Old Testament. It's never in the Old, in the New Testament. It's only Old Testament, the Lord of Hosts. You know why? Because New Testament, we call him Jesus. The Lord of angel armies. He's the one, all the armies, all the angels are under his command. So, oh, thank you, Lord. I don't mean to go all over here. That's why when you read Psalm number eight, Hebrews chapter one, and it'll talk about to which angel did he say, Sit at my right hand till I make your, your footstool. Not to them, it's to Jesus, the Lord. They are all servants. The angels, are you hearing this? So Jesus Christ is in in charge of all the angelic hosts. That's why when he was born into the earth, on the night he's sitting there laid in that manger, all the angels had to appear. All the heavenly hosts, all the heavenly hosts, all the heavenly hosts, And they appeared, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Our captain is with you. So New Testament, Pastor Joshua did a powerful job Wednesday night. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Joshua, so New Testament, he's not the Lord of hosts. He's Jesus. Now, he's still the Lord of hosts, but we don't use that phrase anymore. He's Jesus, the captain of our salvation, right. the son of man, the son of God. So, New Testament, after uh, he comes to the earth, right, he comes to the earth, you got to imagine, the moment he shows up, all the angels show up on, on the earth, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the air, they're praising. As he goes through his life, every time somebody even talked about him, the angels was just And they they couldn't do anything because they were under strict orders to let this happen. So when Jesus Christ goes to the cross, he even said, I could call down a legion of angels. It wasn't a question. I could call a legion of angels right now to come and rescue me. He's the captain. But he had to go through the cross. Can you imagine when Jesus Christ is bent over the post and they're whipping him? Spah! You imagine the angels in heaven they are like, "Oh God." Just They don't need a one. He wouldn't need a whole army, just one. Old Testament, God sent one angel and destroyed 85,000 men, one angel. Man, man, they're going crazy. But he had to do it. Dies, goes into hell three days, endure all the suffering, let read about in Hebrews 2.10. And he's now made once and for all the captain of our salvation. Now, after the resurrection, he goes back to the Father. He's seated at the right hand. Right? Yes. Ephesians 2 talks about that. He is seated at God's right hand. The Bible says he's seated there. He lives ever to make intercession for the saints. He's seated. But he's seated as the captain. So when Stephen, in Acts 7, turn over there, turn turn, turn over there. turn, turn to Acts 7. Turn to Acts 7. Verse 54, watch this. I'm going to show you, I want to show you who's on your side. Why you would never have to worry about anything or anybody if you believe in Jesus. Now do you believe in Jesus? Then what you got to worry about? Watch Acts 7 verse 54. Stephen had just preached a message that just told people out the frame. First 54. When they heard these things, the religious folk, they were cut to the heart, and watch this, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. They ain't touched him yet. They gnashed him like, Ugh. Ugh. they're snarling, Tony, they're ready to get him. They're ready to get him. they just now breathing out threats. They just, they, they want to get him. Ugh. They're gnashing. They ain't hit him. They ain't hit him. They're just gnashing. Watch. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus, the captain, standing. Y'all miss it. This Jesus, he's sitting. He's seated at the Father's right hand. Until he makes enemies, his footstool seated. All of a sudden, Peter preaches. message, Peter and Jesus said, "Preach, preach, son, preach." The people they they start saying, "We don't like that." And they saw, yeah. Jesus said, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> they ain't hit him yet. Just a perceived danger." She just stood up. What? Well, but pastor, he still died. Well, go back to the text. Go back to the text. You got to read the text. Watch this. In Acts Acts 7, it says he's standing at the right hand of God. Now, he's normally sitting. Default is sitting. But here because somebody nationally is one of his, his boys he's standing and uh, Stephen said and, and said look I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God people preach and I preach before to myself people people preaching like Jesus Christ stood up because he's like I'm so proud of my boy look how my boy's going through you can say of me no he' the captain so what what, what are they He got all his angels, right? And he's ready to come down and handle handle that bit and do some damage. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. Oh, you can't see Jesus now. Hey, 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 boys, let's go. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. What? Like, what happened to Jesus? And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now watch. Let's explain. let's explain. It said they stoned him. Now let's see 59 explain what happened. And they stoned Stephen as. So this, this is the event is happening right now as we speak. He stoned, they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord, help me. Lord, stop him. He was saying, Lord, receive my spirit. He said, I'm out of here. He like, hey, hit me harder. Hit me hard! Come on. Hit me. Hit me. Come on right here. Hit me. Other words, I'm ready to go. Because he, he, he got a chance to look up into heaven, and when he's looking into heaven, like, what? He said, when you, when you get a glimpse of heaven, you don't want to stay down here. So he saw heaven and said, I'm out of here. Because you want to know, why didn't Jesus and his angels come rescue him? Because he said, receive my spirit. I'm ready to go. Then he knelt down. Then he knelt down. He knelt down. They were stoning him. The rocks weren't doing anything. Y'all missing this. He's getting stoned. Not by, not one guy throwing a stone. This is a whole group, group of men throwing stone at him. And he's boom. Boom. He's like looking in heaven. Oh, wow. So he said, all right. He knelt down. In his own power, D. That means the stones couldn't kill him. Okay, how do you know? Jesus was on the cross. They nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet, crown of thorns all around his head, had whipped him in his back till he was bleeding profusely, all his organs were exposed, they then stuck a spear in his side, and he still wouldn't die. The Bible calls him the Prince of Life. You couldn't kill the Prince of Life. So how did he die? He said, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. Simplified, Lord, receive my spirit. So he couldn't die until he, he said, I'm ready. So here's Stephen being stoned and couldn't die. Y'all got to Oh, thank you, Lord Holy Ghost. madam I'm going to out of time. Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. So he couldn't just die. (laughs) He had to give up the ghost. Isn't that what your Bible says? Jesus Christ gave up the ghost. He said, Spirit, get on out of here. I'm leaving. Are you back in Acts 7? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Now, if he hadn't done this, Jesus Christ would have still come down and told all those men out the frame. It already stood up. You know that's, that's, a, that's, that's what your mama used to say. You you, you got me up. Don't have the school call me because if, if the school call me, the moment I got to get off my job, I'm about to come get the butt out the duck. I'm, if you don't want nothing to happen, don't have them calling me. Right? Any y'all raised like that? I remember my dad showed up to school one time I was in middle school big old boy I'm a big old boy in middle school big old boy, big old boy. I was I've been big my whole life and in middle school I was big <laughs> Panolas Park Middle School and my dad showed up I said Lord who called my daddy On oh, it. Oh, my daddy took me in one of the little rooms he closed the, they closed the door for him they closed the door took off his strap. I never ever got a beat in this school ever again. Not after that day right there. They never had to call my parents for anything ever again after that day. Some of y'all parents just show up at the school. I'm joking. Because this back on Jesus. back on Jesus. back on Jesus. So he could have and would have, but watch what happened. Stephen said Stephen said Stephen pleaded for mercy on those guys Lord do not charge them with this sin don't charge them with it (laughs) and when he said this he fell asleep he fell asleep (laughs) I'm out of here See, I want you to understand that you have a captain. The captain of your deliverance, your preservation, your safety. The captain, the one who rescues you from all molestation of the enemies. So in any way that that the enemy is coming against you, harassing you, oppressing you, if you believe in Jesus, Oh man. So, what happens many times, Sister Annie, is that when people are under harassment by the enemy, they put their belief in something in the world. They call on this group or that group or this person or that person or go to this route and that route. And Jesus is going to be the last resort. When everything else has already failed. Now I'm coming to you, Lord. I need your help, Lord. No other help I know. Yeah, you tried all kind of help. Let me know the help you know. You tried all other kind of help first. If thou withdraw thyself from me, whether shall I go? No, no, no. You was trying all kind of help before. Now you come to this Lazarus, door. Lord. You, I trust you. Yeah, now. Would you? You not exhausted all your other resources. Why? Because what happens is. People don't, you find out, in an everyday practical way, don't believe in Jesus. I know we believe in him like, oh, I believe in him, I'm saved. But I'm talking about believe in him in every practical way. See, uh, we're, we're trying to upgrade our faith to lifestyle faith here. You got it? All right, now I got a few minutes left here. Let's, let's get cranking here, man. Okay. All right, so, so there's more to salvation than just being born again. Okay? In Hebrews 6, 9, the Bible says that there are things that accompany salvation. There are things that accompany salvation. Yes. Glory to God. When I go to Chick-fil-A and I order a number one deluxe, I, it comes with, yeah, well, I add bacon. I, I add bacon. I do. I do. I add, I add bacon. I add bacon. But I get a salad, a salad on the side. Sometimes I get the grilled chicken nuggets and a salad, <laughs> diet lemonade. My point is there are things that accompany, things that come with. So your salvation is more than just being born again. There are yes. things that come with your salvation, okay, okay? So we want to know how to get into those things. We want to know how to get into manifestation. That's what I want to know. Dick, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure I'm born again. Anybody else? Anybody, if you're, not, if you're not, you know, 100% sure, we can fix that today. But I'm 100% sure I'm born again. I got that down. Jesus comes today, I'm going with him. If I were to leave my body today, I'm going to go spend the rest of eternity with the Lord. I'm I'm confident of that. So I believe in Jesus. But since I'm not leaving here today, and I have to get up tomorrow morning, and today's the first. There's a lot of things due on the first. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. A lot lot of things do on the first. I'm talking about financially. A lot of things do. D-U-E. Do on the first. And if you keep living, you're going to have a first every month. Right? Or as you begin to, uh, you know, like me, you begin to mature. And you, you, uh, I'm 48. And, and I'm, my youth is being renewed like the Eagles, but it hadn't caught up with my 20s yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's being renewed, but it's, I'm not back to my 20s yet. I still feel like I'm in the 40s. <laughs> it's, it's working my way back down, but it's, it's not renewing as fast as I'd like it to renew. So, in other words, my point is that there are challenges, even physical challenges that come to your body, come into your life as you continue to breathe and have birthdays, right? So, since that happens, you haven't uh, fallen asleep and gone to heaven yet, you've got to know how to manifest those things here on earth that accompany your salvation. And to do that, you've got to go beyond just believing in Jesus. You've got to go to a point now that I want to uh, at least introduce you to this morning is to believe Jesus. I asked you a few weeks ago, do you believe in Jesus? Last week I told you, believe in Jesus. This week I'm telling you, believe Jesus. Glory to God. So, I need some more, more than just some, some over yonder faith, okay? Most Christians, you know, they got over yonder believing in the land over yonder, all right? Go to um, John, the second chapter, because I want to show you, proof wise, from the Bible, that it's very possible. To believe in Jesus and not believe Jesus. I want you to hear that. It's possible. In fact, it's very common in the body of Christ that people believe in Jesus but don't yet believe Jesus. In John 2, we we encounter a story right at the beginning of John 2 where Jesus Christ goes to a wedding feast in a place called Cana of Galilee. Uh, His mother's side of the family, we assume. I assume because she's the one that gets involved in the story. Uh, We don't know. But we know the story. uh, Some of us know the story. That they ran out of wine. Jesus Christ is there on the scene. And so Mary uh, comes up with this grand idea. Hey, Jesus Christ, Jesus, their son, they're out of wine. And we need to help take care of that. You know, we're going to go to the store, whatever. Right? Because she... We don't know that she was asking him for a miracle. We preach it like that, but we, Jesus had money. Had you ever thought about that before I just said that? Jesus had money. So when she said, Jesus, they have no wine, and maybe her mind, she, hey, run to the store. You know how your mom would do you, you at a party, right? And y'all run out of ice. Hey, Robert, hey, run, run to the store. We need two bags of ice. Give me two bags of ice. Man, we just ran out of hot sauce. We got all these collard greens and no hot sauce. Hey, run, run down the... <laughs> I, we, we were telling our daughter, uh, Olivia, she was talking about, you know, growing up and, you know, getting a car or being able to drive and all that kind of stuff. We're like, yeah, you're going to have to drive because somebody got to run down to the store. <laughs> somebody got to run down to the store and it's not going to be me and it's not going to be your mama. That's gonna be, if you don't do nothing else but run down to the stove, you're going to drive. Right? So Mary tells Jesus, she says, hey, hey, they have no wine. So we don't know what she's expecting. Jesus Christ follows the leading of the Holy Ghost and tells the men to fill those water pots with water. I'm not going to use my money. I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to charge your faith. You know, I never saw that before, but that's good right there. So let's use our faith and get this done. So fill the water pots with water. The Bible says they filled up six water pots with water. Jesus says, all right, now take it to the governor of feasts and uh, let him let him try it out. Took it to the governor of and the Bible says the governor of feasts said, hey, they normally bring the best wine out early on, let everybody get tore from the floor, but then they bring out the little knotty head and let them do you drink the little knotty head, you know, till you go home, whatever. Right? Bring out your little low bottom shelf stuff at the end. And he said, but no to the, to the feast people, He's the, the, the bridegroom. Say you've saved the best for last. Right? Now, in John 2, verse 11, put it on the screen for me, please. John 2, verse 11, says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and watch this, manifested his glory. This is the first sign he did. Manifest his glory. And what happened as, as a result of him manifesting his glory? His disciples believed in him. Now they're already following him. They believe to a certain extent. They're already following him. They're already his disciples. But now when they saw this manifestation, now they, their level changed. Are you seeing this? See, what the Holy Ghost wants to do through this series is usher you through the transitional phases of believing. So you're not stuck in that. I'm a follower, I'm a church member. These were, these were Jesus' church members. This is his first little congregation. He's got a little small group right now. But he said, now all of a sudden, now that they saw some manifestation, and the Bible says clearly, word for word, his disciples believed in him they like, oh, all right. Okay, we see. We see what you're going to do. We believe in you now. <laughs> Got it? Most people believe when they see. That's, the, that's really, come on now, that's really the common way we all are. We believe when we see. That's why signs, wonders, and miracles are so important in the body of Christ. That's why God do not listen to any of your non Pentecostal people and even some of the Pentecost people who believe that signs, wonders, and miracles are passed away. That's dumb. Signs, wonders, and miracles are here for today because some people don't believe until they see something. Signs, wonders, and miracles are are God's dinner bell. I hear, hear Bill Winston say it all the time they're God's dinner bell. Come and get it. I got something for you. You got it? Okay. Now, so the disciples, they're disciples. They're following him. Now they believe in him. But I want to show you that even then, though they walked with him for three and a half years, they didn't believe him. All right? Can I show you here a couple places here? Okay. Go to uh, uh, Mark 10. Mark 10. It's interesting, these disciples believed in him. You read in the book of John, you read the Bible says one place in John 7, Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. Yeah. Have you ever read that? Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. Now that's funny now. How did Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. And they're right there with him. And you know the mama's telling him, hey. Hey, that's 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 Jesus. Now oh. be careful now. Don't hey guys don't don't all that wrestling. Be careful. That's Jesus. You would, you know, you would, you know. Now nah, it works That's right. I'm gonna talk about that. <laughs> now I gotta say it because it's on my mind. Because I gotta go home and wish i said it, you know, people had had a sometimes they, they little love child. What I'm talking about? Okay. Some kids you already had and all that kind of stuff. Then you find your boo that you're actually in love with, and y'all get married, and you date, and y'all have a child. Now, that's your love child right there. The other children remind you of that old broke-down joke over there, but this is the love child. So you treat that love child kind of extra special. Just, I'm telling you, it happens. I've seen it happen all, all over the world. People have the little love child, a special one. Be careful with that one, and that's normally the one you don't spank either. Raise up to be a little hellion. Okay, let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. So, in Mark sixteen, no, Mark ten. Let's look at Mark ten thirty-two to thirty-four. Mark ten thirty-two to thirty-four. It says, "Now they were on the road. This is they, Jesus and the disciples." going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. And they, the disciples, were amazed. Now remember, they believe in him, right? It said they were amazed. He's going to Jerusalem, they're amazed. And as they follow, they were afraid. Why are they amazed and afraid? Because he's going to Jerusalem. And they are know there are already death threats out on his life. They know the moment you enter Jerusalem, you're about, you're, somebody's out to kill you. So they want to know, Jesus, why are we going to Jerusalem? Hey, can't we go around Jerusalem? Because if we're with you, it's a chance we could be collateral damage too. So they were amazed, first of all. Then it said they were afraid. <laughs> oh, Lord. Jesus going to Jerusalem. Come on, Peter, Peter, keep telling man. Now watch. Then he took the twelve aside again because he knows they're amazed and they're afraid right. and began to tell them the, them the things that would happen to him, not them, to him. Stop being so scary, boys. This happening to me. He says, behold, we are going up to, to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed. Y'all ain't got nothing to worry about. To the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. So he's telling them what's going to happen. Right? Now remember, they already believe in him. Verse 34, And they will mock him and scourge him, whip him, beat him, and spit on him and kill him. And the third day, he will rise again. Now, this is Jesus talking to disciples who believed in him. So he tells them, I'm, yeah, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. You got it? Now, who's talking? To the disciples, right? They believe in him. They believe in him. He tells them a story, a forecast of what's going to happen. Now, go over, please, to Mark 16. I'm almost done. Well, I'm almost going to stop. i, I got to wait until I'm done. Mark 16, verse 9 through verse 14. Now, he just told them what's going to happen to him. The one they believed in, he's told them ahead of time, this is what's going to happen, Elder Jeff. So they know, or they heard. They heard. Now, Mark 16, verse 9 through uh, 14 says this. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, Mm -hmm. what's the last thing he told them was I'm going to rise on the third day. So here we are, the fulfillment of what he said. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. That's why we go to church on so all your friends out there tell you, y'all heathens, because y'all go to church on Sunday, supposed to go to church on Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is the Lord's day. No, the Lord rose on Sunday. The Jews were under the Sabbath. Jesus rose on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. That's why Paul would tell them, when you come together on the first day of the week, set aside your offering. When you come together on the first day of the week. So tell all your friends, I'm sorry, be gentle, don't quarrel, be patient, and use sweet lips. No, thank you, I'm sorry, I have something else, I go shopping on Saturday. Okay, so the first of the week he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. The first woman he shows himself to is somebody who was demon possessed. (laughs) I've been delivered. She can understand where he's coming from. He just got delivered out of hell. So the first person he talks to is somebody who can relate. Jesus, you take that home. All right, verse 10. She went She went and told those who had been with him as they mourning. Well, why are they, why are they mourning and weeping? Because he dead. Didn't he tell them he was going to die? But didn't he tell them he was going to rise again in three days? So why are three, day, three days later they're still mourning and weeping? Because they didn't believe him. They believed in him. They were disciples, but they didn't believe him. So the third day, they're still mourning and weeping. And there are people in the body of Christ who God said, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to turn your life around. I'm going to bring your child home. And you're still mourning and weeping. But I believe in Jesus. But you don't believe Jesus. There's a difference in believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. <laughs> I believe what he did, but do you believe what he said? Go back to verse 10. Verse 10, don't, don't move. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So people who are still mourning and weeping are giving indications that they don't believe Jesus. Wow. Verse 11, verse 11 now. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. The same ones he told, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. They, here comes Here comes the testimony. I just want to testify about how God healed my body. And you got somebody in the audience, I still don't believe. I want to testify about how God gave me a raise and how God brought me out. I ain't have no money in my pocket and God somehow made a way out of no way. And somebody in the audience is still mourning, weeping over there. low I, I don't know how I'm going to make it because you don't believe. Even when you hear a testimony. Woo-hoo-hoo. Verse uh, 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. So now we have one Mary Magdalene, now two of them. Now we have three witnesses. Your Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. That was a that was a law. Come on. You understand? Yes. That was a law. When you read that, that statement in its original form, that was in the law. That wasn't saying, you know, Mount 2, 3 witnesses, everywhere established like some spiritual deep thing we do by faith. No, it was a law. In other words, if 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 somebody had an aud against somebody, we're going to a court case and one witness came and two witnesses came and a third witness came, those three witnesses established a, 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 a good testimony. So if I'm in a case and, and I got into a fight with Elder Baker and I killed him. No, let's, let's say I killed Because if I kill him, what law says, I'm supposed to now be killed. But I say, wait a minute, he attacked me first. So it's now self-defense. Well, you have any witnesses? I have one witness, two witnesses, three witnesses. In the mouth of, of two or three witnesses, let every word. So now my word is established. Okay, that must be true because... Three people said, "You understand that wasn't spiritual law. This is natural law. These Jews grew up learning natural law. Their whole lives revolved around. With, if I hear from two or three people, it's 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 right. And yet, watch this. He appeared and they walked in, into the country. Verse thirteen, please. And they went and told it to the rest. Now told them beside the fact Jesus Christ himself had told them but him dying and being raised again was so preposterous that they could not find a way to believe it because do you know not know that believing is a choice Not your mind, I'm trying to, let me calculate. No, believing is a choice. Believing is a choice. Believing is a choice. Believing is a choice. choice. I don't have to have proof. Believing is a choice. I just choose believing. When my wife and I first started dating, and she told me things, I just believed her. I don't have any proof. I had a choice. I just believed her. She said, my credit bad. I believed it. I didn't want to, but I did. And when I told her, mine had jacked up too. She just believed me. Are oh, you all understand? It's not, it's not a matter of I got to calculate stuff. I just believe. And when Jesus tells us something, the word tells us something. You're supposed to just believe, not try to scientificate your way out of this stuff and reason this stuff away. No, I just I just believe. (laughs) And the disciples, although they had been told and we read this one occasion where he told them, but there's several occasions he would tell them, look, guys, remind you all this what's going to happen. John, he'd tell them, it's expedient for me to go away. If I don't go away, the comforter will not come. And so he'd tell them all the time. I'm just giving y'all a heads up. He said, I'm telling you these things ahead of time, so when they happen, you already know about it. Several times. And yet, when it actually happened, you know why they didn't believe it? Because they didn't believe it when he said it. So although testimonies happen. Okay, let me, let me give you the difference. Remember we read about Mary Magdalene a couple verses before? One of the reasons why he appeared to Mary Magdalene first is because she was at the graveside looking. The disciples were in a room hiding. to the other Mary the Bible says she saw him and went to hug him he said ho, 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 don't, don't touch me yet. I have not yet ascended she knows it's him I've been looking for him oh, I'm so out of time but if you, if you will expect just based on what he said you will be the first in line to see and experience and testify about God's goodness. While other folks still don't believe, you'll be driving in it, living in it, wearing it, having it, eating it, going it, doing everything because you believe and I them to see something happen. <laughs> Can I keep going? Let me finish this. Give me verse 14. Verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven, you know it's only eleven left, and as they sat at the table, and re- he rebuked their, and, that's why they were unbelief, because their hearts were hard, now, two things there, unbelief, they didn't believe him when he told it, hardness of heart showed because three witnesses came and told you, that's just hard hearted. Three people tell you I got healed of cancer right. and you still don't believe God can heal <laughs> because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Let me, let me give you one last place here. One last place and then we'll pick this up next week. Okay? That's three of y'all. The rest of y'all come too. John 20, John 20, verse 24. I want to show you a hardness of heart. One more place. I'm going to say something there. We'll receive the Lord's Supper. John 20, verse 24 through 29. Now, Thomas, <laughs> called the, t- the twin, or Didymus, I think you're King James, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Remember we just read here a moment ago in Mark, Jesus showed up to the 11? Okay, but Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. Okay, verse 25. Keep going, please. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Oh, now look at their faith. (laughs) We have seen the Lord. So, but watch this. Watch how, how hard a person's heart can be. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, that's God. First of all, Jesus told you he's going to rise again. If nobody else ever seen him at all, he told you himself from his own mouth to your own ears, I'm going to rise again in three days. Then Mary comes tell him, I saw him. Two more come tell him, I saw him. He showed it to the rest of the guys, now they all tell him, we saw him. He said, yeah, but I got too much sense for that. I'm intelligent. I don't believe in creationism. I believe in evolution. I'm a Darwinist. I believe science. And science says no man can die and rise again from the dead on the third day. It's not possible. My intellectual mind will not allow me to believe that. He said I will not believe. I will not. Verse 25 26. 26 after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. See he came with sweet lips. He went to peace. That's our example. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, to Thomas, he went right to Thomas. I, see, I was here. You didn't think I, I heard you when you said what you said. I heard you in the midnight hour. I heard your heart. Reach your finger here. and Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Watch this. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Make a choice. Choose to believe. Right? Let's keep going here and finish this out. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. They did a Pauline. My God. My Lord. My God. See, now, now he believes all of a sudden, right? Watch the response he gets. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me you have believed. Blessed. In other words, there's no blessing in what you just did. Now watch now, watch, watch, watch. Remember what we read in John 2, verse 11? John 2, 11, we read, the, the disciples, they saw Jesus manifest his glory, and the disciples believed in him. They saw and believed. But he tells us here, the blessing shows up when you have not seen and yet believe that's where faith operates that's how you're going to get your manifestation when I have not seen and I yet believe see glory to God I mean I'm done for me to see and believe I'm going to see somebody else Did you catch that? For me to see and believe, somebody else gets manifestation. I'll come on this side for all you slow people over here. For me to see and believe, I'm going to see someone else's manifestation. And I praise God for your manifestation. Thank you, Lord. God, you're, you're great. That's wonderful. But for me to get my manifestation, I have to believe Then I see it. Blessed are those empowered to prosper are those, that blessing that makes you rich are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I have not seen and yet I have believed. There are people walking this planet, who don't believe Jesus Christ actually came and walked this planet some who believe he did don't believe he died and rose again well I can't verify for them I have not seen it but I believe it and because I believe it I'm blessed and I'm getting all kind of manifestation and if I'm gonna get all my miracles and all my healing, and all my prosperity, and all my breakthrough, I don't have to see it before I believe it. I believe it, and then I'll see it. Because he said it, and because he said it, that settles it. So, I don't just believe in him, Deacon Mac. I believe him. And so, I believe him Uh, don't be offended. I believe him over you. (laughs) Don't be mad at that. I'm just saying. I believe him over you. The Bible says let God be true and every man a liar. So no matter what man says against you, no matter how your enemies rise up against you, no matter what society says about you, don't believe them, believe him. I shall live and not die. How you know? Because he said so. I don't care what a doctor said. I got six months, 12 months, two years. I don't believe you. I respect you, but I believe him. I believe him. You see, it's no matter what you're facing, you got to get your word from the Lord and b- put your faith in that. Whose report do you believe? I believe the report of the Lord. And his report says, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm filled, I'm set free, I'm rich, I'm prosperous, I'm blessed, I'm walking in God's fullness. I believe that. And when you can have that kind of belief, yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, when he spoke to Mary and Martha, he told them about him being the resurrection. Mary said, "Oh yeah, I believe you're the son of God. That ain't what I said. That ain't what I. That ain't what I asked you, girl. I wasn't talking about that. I know that." I told you your brother going to rise again. Oh, yeah, I believe you're the son of God. Yeah, yeah. He said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Yeah. Oh, do you believe this? Oh, I believe you're the son of God. No, she, she believed in him, but right, 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 right. Well, she didn't believe him. Yeah. So when he, I'm finishing. Y'all know that. So when he went to Lazarus' grave to raise him up, she hollered out, hold on. By now, he's stinking. He's on his, he's about to raise her brother. And she's talking about how stinky must be. Because still in her heart, she doesn't believe that something's going to happen. And he said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of god and that's what i'm closing today telling you god said did not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of god i don't care how much money you don't have i don't care how many hookups you don't have i don't care what connections you don't have i don't care who walked out on you i don't care who turned their back on you did not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of god somebody shout lord i believe believe fact said, I believe, you. I believe you. I don't just believe in you. I believe, you. I believe you. Your word is right. Whatever you said, it is so. Whatever you promise, it shall come to pass. All your promises, they are yes and amen to the glory of God. So I'm going to step out of my fear. I'm going to get back in the game. My life is not over. I still got a whole lot of life in me. I still got all kind of potential on the inside of me. I still have purpose down on the inside of me. I still have a vision from God, and God's going to bring that vision to pass in my life. Long as I'm living, long as I'm breathing, I'm going to keep trusting God. Walk out on me if you want to. Turn your back on me all you want to. I'm going to believe God. How many times did Jesus Christ use the phrase verily, verily? Yeah. Truly, truly. Yeah. Because he understood when he was just talking, people wouldn't, wouldn't just believe him what he said. So he had, he had to say things like truly, truly. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, for real, for real. Yeah. He gonna bless you for real, for real. Yeah. He gonna heal your body for real. For real. He's going to turn your life around for real, for real. He's going to bring your children back home for real, for real. He's going to turn your house around for real, for real. He's going to make you rich for real, for real. Truly, truly, I say unto you, I'm going to bless your socks off. Do you believe this? Thank you. I have good news for you. If you believe, everybody who believes in Jesus, I want to see your hand. If you believe the glory of God is about to hit your house. I said the glory of God is about to hit your house because God, look, he's looking for somebody who's not just a follower for fish and a follower for loaves, who doesn't just believe in him, but every word God speaks, I believe it. It don't look like it, but I I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I don't believe my lying eyes. I don't believe my lying ears. I don't believe my lying symptoms. Every symptom you have is a lie. Every symptom you're feeling in your body right now is a lie from the pit of hell. The truth is you are the heal protecting your health from sickness and disease. You walk in divine health, and you walk in divine life, and you walk in divine prosperity, and you walk in divine supply, and you walk in divine protection. You walk in it, you live in it. It's yours. now you got to tell your lying body, shut up. Jesus one time ran into a lying tree. That fig tree was lying. How I know? Because he answered it. And curse it to the root. So whatever lying thing is in your life lying and you curse it to the root. Shut it up. God's Word is true. Put your hands on your body. In the name of Jesus, I command this body to come into line with the Word of God. I rebuke everything that the devil is bringing against my body. Every symptom is a lie. Every pain is a, is a lie. Every disorder, Every disorder. Is, a lie. is a lie. Every disease, Every disease. Is, a lie. is a lie from the pit of hell. Pit of hell. And, I and I receive the fullness, the fullness of, my of my healing from the capital of my salvation. With his stripes, With his stripes I am, am healed, healed in Jesus' name. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the word of Jesus. (laughs) From now on, every negative word you hear, know it's a lie. Know it's a lie. Don't agree with the lie. Agree with the truth. Agree agree with with the spirit of truth. The spirit of Jesus. And if you believe, you will see the glory of God manifested in your life. It shall happen. It shall come to pass. (laughs) And when it happens, don't be surprised, just celebrate. hallelujah. Just celebrate. Don't be unbelieving, be believing. Father, today I thank you. For each person who's heard the word of God today, I pray that, Lord, all of us, our faith has been upgraded to the place where we not only are followers of you And we believe in you, but we believe Jesus. We believe you. We believe every word you speak. We declare that you are truth, and every man is a liar. If they speak anything contrary to your word, they're liars. Anything we hear, any report we receive, contrary to the truth of your word, we place in the category of a lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We accept the truth of the word and thank you for the Holy Ghost who brings to our remembrance whatever the Lord has said to us. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. Remind us of what Jesus said. Remind us of what he came to do. Remind us, Holy Ghost, of who we are in Christ Jesus. Let us walk in and live in the victory that has been provided for us through the cross of Calvary. Father, we love you so much with everything in our hearts and our souls and our minds. Thank you because you first loved us and you proved it by giving Jesus to down the cross for us, allowed him to go through all that he went through and raised him again on the third day morning. <laughs> when they came to find Jesus Christ at, at the grave, the angel said he is not here for he has risen as he said. Thank you that whatever he said came to pass. <laughs> and if you can do something so big as raising him from the dead, as he said, then you can heal us as you said and make us prosper as you said and fix our families and our marriages as you said and turn our lives around, as you said. So thank you for it. We give it a praise in advance for what will manifest in our lives, because we believe that we shall see the glory of the Lord. Now bless us and keep us in this moment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. Give God a big shout and praise. In John chapter 11.